one of the harder things, one of the obstacles that we face is receiving God's mercy. There are, there are other challenges and other obstacles and other things that kind of get in the way of us as we, uh, as we live out our lives with Jesus, as we try to learn how to be these, this righteous group of people. Um, there are obstacles, but one of them, at least to me, is actually receiving God's mercy and God's grace. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, God is eager. God is ready to, to forgive. So don't mishear me when I say this. But God is, he's, he's on the edge. He's ready. He's ready to forgive us. That part of that side of things, that's, that's easy. It's the actual part that we have to play in opening ourselves up and actually receiving God's grace and God's forgiveness. If you're sitting there thinking, well, it's not that hard. I mean, it's, you know, I could, if I mess up, you know, I just go to God and be like, hey, God, you know, forgive me, please. Uh, thanks. Maybe you have like this confession thing that you saw online or read in a book or somewhere and you read that and bada bing, bada boom, uh, God has forgiven you. Mercy checked. Got it. Uh, if you're sitting there thinking that, then maybe you've forgotten. Maybe I've forgotten. Maybe we've never actually done the real work and truly received God's grace. So like I said earlier, um, we are starting our, we started last week our summer series in the Psalms. Um, and as we are going through, Vern um, talked about last week Psalm 100, where we learned about uh, the giving, uh, what it means to give God uh, praise and give God thanks. Um, and something that we talked about last week uh, was that the psalmist, they held nothing back from God. Uh, and something that hopefully that we can take away from this summer is that at the least bit, God invites our honesty. And so this morning we're going to be reading from Psalm 51, uh, and through that we're going to be learning about this grace and about this mercy that God has, has granted in us, and maybe, maybe some tricks of the trade on how to actually receive God's mercy and take the steps to do the work in that. So if you feel led or if you're able, um, you can stand for the reading of God's word. Uh, we're going to be in Psalm 51, verses 1 through 12. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time of my mother's conceiving me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. 
Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So if you haven't read this psalm before, this is um, a kind of a popular one, especially in terms of, of baptism. Um, it's in some of our hymnals, and it's used to uh, receive baptism, and pastors use this a lot. Uh, it's also pretty famous and because it is connected uh, to a pretty classic story from the Old Testament. Uh, if you had your Bibles open, then you could probably see this little blurb right before verse 1 uh, that said that this uh, is a song of David right after Nathan had confronted him about the things that he had done uh, with Bathsheba and Uriah. So it's kind of famous for that. Um, just real quick, we'll do a little bit of a recap. If you flip your pages back in the Bible to 2 Samuel, then you can read the story of when David, uh, he was the king of Israel, and he and the Israelites were at war with the Ammonites. And uh, while his soldiers were fighting uh, these battles and while they were out at war, David was in his house, palace thing, um, and he... Uh, he looks across the way and he sees Bathsheba and he desires her and he, he wants to be with her. He wants her to be with him. And the problem is she's married. And so in order to kind of work around that, he, he thought, okay, so I know that she's married because I know who she's married to. It's Uriah, who is a uh, general in my army. And so what David does to get around this is he sends Uriah to the front lines of battle in order to, in hopes that Uriah will, would be killed in battle. Plan works. David sends him to the front lines. Uriah fights, and he and his uh, men uh, die in battle. And that frees up Bathsheba for David to take as his wife. And then... Nathan comes out. Nathan is he's a, a prophet. He's um, he's a guy who's who lives in uh, David's palace, David's household, and uh, he the word of the Lord came to Nathan, and Nathan goes to David and says, "You've you've messed up, David. You you sinned, and here here is all of the different things that uh, that God has told me to tell you." And so he, then he gives this huge thing, this big speech about all the things that David did wrong. And we get really just one response from David in 2 Samuel. He says, I have sinned against the Lord. That's it. Not at least until we uh, you know, flip forward to Psalm 51, then maybe we get a little bit more. But at that point in time, that's, that is what we receive is I have sinned against the Lord. So that's kind of the, the history, that's the background to this psalm. Um, it's 
pretty messed up, right? Um, David, uh, he, he did some wrong things, and Nathan calls him out on it. Nathan, I mean, he, he, Nathan is like, dude, I mean, you, you at least broke three out of the, the big ten commandments, right? Uh, committing adultery, um, uh, coveting your neighbor's wife, murder. Um, that's not good. You have, you, like, he's calling him out, and David's like, I know, I know, it, it's regrettable, right? We can hear it kind of in, in, his, in his verbiage when he says, I have sinned against the Lord. He's got some regrets. I've got a few regrets. Um, one time I hit a Ferrari in the windshield with a rock. Um, <laughs> let me back up. I was trying to impress a girl, um, of course, classic. So me and, so I was, I don't remember how old I was, maybe 10 or 11, I can't remember, but I had, um, this girl and I, both of our younger brothers were on the same soccer team and we were at this soccer game and we go to, uh, we're just watching the, the game play and then her and I, we were just by this fence that kind of bordered the soccer field and there's this empty parking lot and this pile of rocks and in my head I'm like, all right, time to impress her. I've got a crush. I want her to be my girlfriend. And so I did the math in my head and I knew if I threw the the Further I threw a rock, the more likelihood she would end up my girlfriend, right? <laughs> it's science. Um, <laughs> so I pick up the rock, and I say the, you know, classic line, hey, watch this. Um, and I lob the rock, and man, it goes, I mean, it was perfect arch, perfect trajectory. Uh, and I, I hear her next to me, she just goes, oh, and I thought, oh, man. I've got this. She's impressed. What I didn't know what that gasp really was, was this, what once was an empty parking lot, this really nice car had pulled in and had come right down the lane. And I mean, as if, like, and so I'm looking down, my eyesight is on the rock, and I look down and see this car that's perfectly in line with the rock. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like this, like you couldn't plan this. And the rock man spit smacked down uh, right onto the windshield, right? And so I, I got a glimpse of, her, of the woman who was driving's face right before just spider web crack across her entire windshield. Thankfully, the glass didn't break through, so everyone was fine, albeit she was extremely angry and yelled at me for quite a long time, and my mom found out from her yelling. <laughs> and when I looked over to the girl as the rock had hit, she was gone. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even see, I didn't feel her leave. I didn't see that she had left. I just look over and I mean, as if like she had done some magic trick, she was just gone. Uh, abandoned me to deal with my mom, um, the poor woman. So uh, I, I can't remember what the punishment was. I'm pretty sure I, I knew I had to mow tons of lawns that summer to, uh, to pay for the windshield. But, uh, and then I think my Pokemon collection got reduced by half. Um, which was super sad, um, but I deserved it. I, I got it. It made sense. Um, and so, um, so that was regrettable. Um, you think I would have learned at that point to to be a lot smoother, but you know I didn't learn my lesson. Later on in high school, we tried to impress yet another girl. This time I didn't have the crush. It was a friend of mine. But we thought how girls like it when uh, you know you blow up Axe body spray cans and when they are held over a fire, right? That's not true. Okay. Um, so uh, we you know set the Axe can um, 
on the flame, and it blew up, and uh, this was on the driest and windiest day of the summer, and uh, of course, the, the tall grass and shrubbery around us caught a blaze, and thankfully, we, uh, we got buckets of water. My mom, realizing what happened, well, she's always, I'm so sorry, mom, um, <laughs> if you're watching this, <laughs> I love you. Um, she had grabbed the hose and a couple of uh, melted crocs and uh, lots of water later. We, we got the, the fire doused, but we were, we were seconds away from burning the whole mountain down, it seemed. Um, so that was regrettable. Um, Let's see, what else? It's also regrettable uh, for, to try to open a uh, champagne bottle with a corkscrew if it's being stubborn. Don't do that because it'll explode in your hand, causing you to scar, and you have to go get stitches on your wedding night. Um, and it was also regrettable for us on our way home on our wedding night from the hospital to hit a deer on the way home. Um, the poor women in my life. Um, which, you know, that was regrettable for me, and that probably had my wife questioning a lot of <laughs> her choices as my new bride. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, Mary loves me. I know she does. Um, so, <laughs> sorry. Had to point to the live stream. Um, I'm sure she's saying I love you too back at home. Um, so those are pretty regrettable. I have some other regrets. I wish that uh, I had not been such a bully to my brother when I was uh, in middle school or high school. I wish that I had handled certain circumstances better. I wish that I could go back in time and maybe this, the moment where I had these really, really hard breakups, I could have handled that a little bit better. Maybe if I had, maybe if I could go back in time and, and had been to a, friend, a, a better friend to a classmate that I really just saw as a classmate. Maybe he'd still be with us. I have regrets. And I'm sure a lot of you do too. And David did. Gosh, what a regrettable thing, what David did. And he's, he's sitting there and he's, he's feeling this remorse, and you can hear it, you could just hear it in his voice, right? He's saying, he's saying, have mercy on me, O God. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. He says, deliver me from the guilt of, of bloodshed, O God. David is so broken, and he's so remorseful. This is, it's, it's something that is greater than the regret, right? It, it, regret is definitely part of it. I looked up um, the definition of remorse, and I, I liked the Oxford Dictionary version, but I also, I think I liked the um, Webster's better. Um, Webster's Dictionary says that remorse is a gnawing distress arising from a sense of guilt or past wrongs. This gnawing. And, and I like, the reason why I like this version of the, of the definition is because if you look back to the root word, I'm a little bit of a word nerd. Um, if you look back to the root word, the Latin of remorse, it's mordere. Uh, and mordere uh, literally is the verb in Latin to bite. And so remordere is to bite over and over and over again. 
So remorse, this, this gnawing distress arising from a sense of guilt for past wrongs. So David, here we have him. He's in this place. He's, in this, he's, he's done wrong. He's, he's feeling this remorse. He's feeling this hurt. And it's easy for us to kind of look at that and say, well, you know, remorse, this, this is because you did this bad thing, right? He, he feels this regret because of the sin and the, the, the things that he did wrong with Bathsheba and Uriah. And, um, and so he's got this remorse. And that was where it comes from. And, and yes, sin is probably the starting point that takes us onto this trajectory of, of this feeling of remorse. But I, I think a part of me believes that maybe, maybe God actually is giving David and, and us and me uh, this, this feeling, this gnawing feeling in order to approach him. I, I don't think that God is, is actually like he's, you know, tricking us or guilting us into being better people. I don't think that that's how God operates. But he can certainly use that. He can certainly use that pain, that remorse that we are feeling in order to actually approach him. So I, I, think, I think if done right, this remorse can be a good thing. So God is speaking to him through this. And, and, and David, he, he's pleading. He's saying, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your regret, or your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. He's using some pretty powerful language. He's transgression, iniquity, sin. The dude is, is hurting. And so I, I, I've read somewhere that someone trying to connect each of those three different words, trans, uh, transgression, iniquity, and sin, um, in order to kind of relate to the different pieces of David's, what David did that was wrong. And that, that, that's great. Um, me personally, I kind of think that what's happening here is David is literally just, he's, he's going to God, he's singing to God, and he's making sure, obviously God knows, but he's, for, him, for his own sake, he's just covering all the bases. Transgression, iniquity, sin. And so each word individually, transgression means to go against, to rebel, to, to work in opposition towards. Um, iniquity means to, to bend, to twist. So David kind of used his, 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 king, his kingship to like, you know, bend the rules a little bit in order to get his way. Um, and then sin. Sin is this kind of big word, right, that we use I mean, it's small, it's three letters, but it's, it's this big word that, that we don't really know how to approach it. We don't know exactly how to define it well. Um, we, we use it so often, and, and when we use it, you know, we want it to have this weight. We want it to have this heaviness, uh, as it should, right? And so, um, we, but it's difficult to define. So, I asked... Um, some middle schoolers, uh, when I was a youth director here, um, I asked a middle school Bible study because we were talking about it, and I just said, hey, what, what is sin? Like, what do you guys think about what sin is? 
And kind of in typical middle school fashion, I kind of got the, ah, you know, it's just, it's just wrong. You know, it's, it's, it's bad. It, it ain't right. It's, it's not nice. Um, and the way, that they, the way that they were saying it kind of reminded me of a quote from Jim Carrey's The Grinch That Stole Christmas. Um, I know it's July, but that's one of my favorite Christmas movies. Um, <laughs> Jim Carrey says, now for the final note in my symphony of downright nasty not niceness. The crescendo of my odious opus. Oh, the wailing and the gnashing of teeth, the bellowing of the bitterly bummed out. <laughs> I, I was uh, originally going to do the Grinch voice for y'all, but when I, <laughs> when I did it for Mary, she said, it'd probably be better if you just showed a clip of it instead. Um, <laughs> So I just let it be. And, you know, for copyright issues, because we're now streaming, uh, decided not to. Anyways, um, so, but this is, so movie quotes, they just come into me. Um, but so this is kind of, these were kids that were saying it. But honestly, as adults, I mean, who could do much better, right? To define sin, to say like, yeah, it's just, it's wrong. It's just bad. It's, it's, it's the, the symphony of downright nasty, not niceness. One kid then said, it's what separates us from God. And I, I thought, oh yeah, that, that, that was said so eloquently, you know, and then I had them uh, keep going and they said, yeah, this is our, our actions, our words, our thoughts, um, that sin is what separates us from God. And I thought, that's a great answer. But the more and more I thought about it, actually, I kind of want to disagree. And I am going to disagree. I don't think sin actually has that kind of power over God, right? I don't think that when in Romans chapter 8, at the end of it, it, when it says there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God, they didn't have like a little exception, like, well, except sin. That will separate you. No, Romans 8 does not say that. And so we also have this, this person in the name of Jesus who went on the cross to defeat sin, and that when he died and when he resurrected, he, he defeated sin to the point where sin does not have that same power that it does in our lives like it did back then, right? Right? And so, sin, I, I like to think of, our, I like, to think of um, like humanity as a whole, like in sections. And so, uh, if we are living in, as humans in this, we, I like to call it this post-victory life, right? So, Jesus has come and he has, he has been victorious over sin and over death. And so, uh, we have this, this, this power, Right? that Jesus works through us, that we, that sin does not, does not hold sway like it used to. No, what, what sin does is it tries to pretend, right? It tries to trick us because it's still prevalent in this world. It just doesn't realize that it's been defeated yet. It's trying to make a comeback, but it's just not able to. But we can be so easily deceived and to think that you know, I, I, like, I, I messed up. I, I can't approach God. I can't go like David did to God to, to sing to him about receiving God's mercy. Instead, for whatever reason, fear or pride or whatever, we tend to hide away from God. We don't want to show our imperfections. We don't want to, uh, for anybody, in, including God. 
I mean, this is going back to all the way in Genesis when Adam and Eve took the fruit from the tree that they weren't supposed to. What did they do? They hid. They hid away from God, which is just unfortunate because it takes us away from, it it, it takes away the opportunity for us to really receive God's mercy. One more thing to help us kind of understand sin a little bit further is, um, so again, word nerd, I like to go back um, to the Hebrew origin of the word sin, which is chata. I'm not going to ask you to say that in case you might loogie in front of somebody. Um, (laughs) But um, chata is the Hebrew word for sin. And um, what it literally translates to is to miss the mark. I've said this in our, to our youth a bunch of times. It's to literally miss the mark. So when an archer would uh, come up to the plate and they would get their you know, arrow into their bow string and would be ready to shoot at the target uh, and they were aiming for a bullseye, if they went just to the right or just to the left of the, of the mark, they would have said, well, he chatad, he sinned. Um, so sin is this, is this missing of the mark. So we have David who is sitting here. He, he was, he's on the path to righteousness. He's, you know, he's been called the man after God's own heart. And he was, he's you know, got that, what, what does the song say? He's got that secret chord that pleased the Lord, right? And so he's, um, he's on this path to righteousness. He's got his aim. He's got his sights focused on the target. And then he just lost focus for just a second. He just missed the mark, which took him down to this path of transgression where he rebelled, this iniquity where he bent and twisted the rules for his own sake. Then he got to the point where he was was so um, bogged down by this, and and Nathan is coming up to him, and he's saying, David, look, you, you got to go to God because this is, uh, this is so important. Man, thank the Lord for the Nathans in our lives, right, to say to us, we've got to go to the Lord instead of hiding away. And so I like to think, this is Ben Fitzgerald making stuff up, but I like to think that, um, that when David had been confronted by Nathan that he went somewhere maybe he went to the temple courts maybe he went to like his room maybe he went to the spot where he saw Bathsheba for the first time and he sang this song have mercy on me O God have you ever been to the point of desperation Have you ever been to that place where we just can't, for whatever reason, we can't get ourselves out of that darkness. We can't get ourselves out of the muck. And there's no amount of good deeds, no amount of words, no amount of reading that we can do that can get us back into God's good graces. And so what do we do, right? We're not merciful, like we're not worthy, I mean, uh, in order to receive God's grace. What do we do? How do we receive God's grace? Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've done the hurting. I don't know. But God is always right there on the edge, ready, ready to forgive. He's always right there. Just God's just saying, please, 
just come to me. Just approach me. You don't have to hide. You don't, there's no amount of good deeds that you could do. All you got to do is just approach me. Should we live out righteous lives? Absolutely. But we get the mistake where we want to say that the opposite of, of sin is righteousness. So in order to combat the sin in our lives, we want to use righteousness. When instead, the real way is to just allow God to forgive So wherever you are in this place, use this psalm as a reminder. You can use this psalm as a tool. In fact, um, let's, can you do me a favor real quick? Let's all just real quick, just close your eyes. Close your eyes. Get in the place of that's comfortable, um, whatever that looks like. Start to search your heart and soul for whatever has kept you from approaching God. Find that thing, that thing that maybe you've put on the shelf. Maybe it's just sitting there waiting to be approached again because it's not going away. This guilt, this regret, find it, feel it, let that remorse hit you. Now I want you to search for something else. Keep your eyes closed. Search for God. Search for something in your mind that will break you out, and that alone is God. Don't hide any longer because God will not add to your guilt. He is here right now, right in this place. sitting right next to you, behind you, beside you. He's eager, yearning to give you his mercy and his love and to tell you and to call you by name and say, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. Keep your eyes closed. As I read Psalm 51 one more time, and let it be a prayer in your hearts to God right here and right now. Keep your eyes closed. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desired the truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my, all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. 
can open your eyes. It's hard to take that thing off the shelf that we've been putting there for so long. It's hard to receive God's mercy, but my gosh, is the result so worth it? To feel that pain, to feel that, that, that surge of hope, to live in that remorse and allow that guilt and sin to make an impact on us. And that when we approach God with such humility and contrition like David, tell God of your sin and don't just brush that off either. Let that be an open thing. Let that be a thing that, that when you're praying, don't let it just be an internal monologue like I often do. Say it out loud. Thank you, God, for your mercy and walk away from this place knowing that you are forgiven. Amen? Let's stand and worship.